gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. That. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. This week, we're going to be talking about B2B marketing lessons from ClickUp's album, Workflows, with the help of special guest, founding member, and head of social and influencer marketing at ClickUp, Chris Cunningham. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Checking in from London. I know. In parts unknown, throughout the world, Chris has been on a, a world tour visiting all the amazing ClickUp customers overseas, and we caught him just at the right time. Perfect timing. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, excited to chat. We're going to talk ClickUp. We're going to talk about your amazing studio album here, Workflows, and everything else in between. So first off, tell us about your current role at ClickUp. Yeah, so at ClickUp, when we first started, I was our first sales rep, our first customer service rep. You know, so I was VP of sales and client success when it was all of four employees. I, I closed our first deals. And also after I'd closed the deals and there was a bug, I would go and respond to the customer service side of things because we were very small. So that was fun. But I, I realized as we grew, I was never meant to be, you know, our, our VP of sales. It just wasn't my, wasn't my love, was my passion. What I did love was creating content, like one of the early videos that the Meredith found. I was always trying new things. Even as we grew, we had no marketing team really. So I would create random funny videos. But before ClickUp, Zev and I worked on another company that was in the social media space. So I had a lot of connections in that space. I knew a lot of influencers. And I saw how much that space was really growing. This is like, you know, seven years ago. How important that space was becoming into driving traffic. Because there's there's new ways of driving traffic to business, not only ads. So as we grew, you know, I told Zev, hey, look, we should find a real VP of sales, someone who's done this at a, the size of a company we're planning on growing into. And so I kind of transitioned more into, into marketing. And what I found I love is, is managing our social, creating really fun videos, and also finding, we call it influencer marketing, but in tech, I think it's different. I call it thought leaders. So my role is just basically finding people that you learn from. So everyone at a tech company, you look at most startups, you don't go to college for most positions in a startup, right? Even sales, there is no degree for sales. What you do is you go online and you learn from someone. So I am looking for those people that people learn from. I'm looking for the Ali Abdals of productivity. I'm looking for someone in every single space, Toby from Shopify. I'm looking for those very strong people that they learn from. And then I'm looking for them to use ClickUp. 
So I can go in further about how influencer marketing is different because when you're just holding a water bottle, that's easy. But for a software, they have to actually use a software. They have to have a use case for it. They have to understand it. So it's a lot more in depth than just regular influencer marketing. So how does that, that influencer marketing like nest into your larger marketing strategy? So many ways. One, eyeballs on ClickUp is what we care about at the end of the day, right? And signups. So again, I'm targeting people by niches. I, I want almost every single person. That's why I'm blessed to be a ClickUp. Almost every single person at a company can use ClickUp, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're a content creator, whether you're a developer, whether you're a marketer, you do need to use project management. So the way it looks like for us is I'm not just going to go to an influencer and say, hey, can I pay you to, to talk about ClickUp? It doesn't work like that. It's, it's not natural and people can smell it out. What I do is I'll come to said influencer and say, hey, look, tell me about your, how, you, how you work. Tell me about what your, your job looks like your role outside of just creating content. And then I'll bring in a, a consultant at ClickUp. And I'll say, look, I think your life could be a lot easier if we set up these automations for you, if we set up this task management for you. And then we'll set that up for free. We'll give them free ClickUp. And then if they like the product, if it changes something for them, makes their life easier, saves them time, then we will work together. And I will, you know, then I'll work together with them to create this content. I give all free, free reign to the creator. I'm not gonna come give them a script what I want them to do is save that time and then go tell the world how, how we save them time, not me telling them that because it ruins it, which is very different from how I think most people do influencer marketing. And a lot of people are going to shift to this, but that's kind of how it works for us. And if we use these for ads, we use these for social media content our own. We use this for posts that they post to drive traffic to us to be in front of new audiences, all kind of different collaborations. Yeah, it, it's so interesting seeing a B2B tech company put influencer marketing like at the core of the marketing strategy, because like you said, most people see influencer marketing and they think of, yeah, someone holding a water bottle or, you know, a shout out on, on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and not sort of being integrated into like who you are. But like you said, for, for tech, for B2B quote unquote influencers, you have to be fluent in the product. You have to understand the space you have to understand sort of the needs of of whatever audience that you're serving it's it's a lot more in depth than you know by this lip gloss there's also one part i didn't tell you so yes the new cool thing that you do see happening is a hot trend and i almost don't want to give it away too much because it's working so well for us but it's building internal influencers right the new rock stars are people like like how i said earlier toby at shopify right like you almost name the, the name of the influencer and where they're at, because that's, that's valuable. If you're someone who's at a smaller company and you want to learn, you're, you're going to look for someone who's at this large company, someone who's done it before. So we're doing that with myself, with Guarov, with Melissa. We have a bunch of people internally and we're scaling this even to our other employees, not just C-suite or execs and founders. We're really scaling to build a lot of people and create content because everyone needs to learn. Whether you're a sales solutions engineer, you know, a, a product marketer, there's so many people in these roles who want to learn. So we're creating content just and just adding value and giving back. So rather than just selling ClickUp the whole time, we're typically just adding value. And then if we do give them some type of resource, we obviously put it in a ClickUp doc because we are bringing them to our site, which is ultimately what we want to do. But then the day we've learned that in, in tech, people are pretty immune to ads. But if you give them some value and you help them learn, everyone's looking to learn. You know, it's funny. When I interviewed Melissa Rosenthal, who obviously has a has a really cool background and is the chief creative officer at ClickUp. When she was talking about this this influencer strategy of of building up internal influencers, 
this is something that, you know, like we at Caspian, we do all the time because it's like part of what we do for our customers is find it, find an internal influencer and, and build a show around them or find an influencer that's external to the company and build a show series around them. So like this is like part of our playbook. And it's interesting that there's this sort of like barely even noticeable go-to-market trend of doing this that like, you know, y'all click up or spearheading because we follow people, right? Like that's what we do. It's like the old way was like following industry periodicals or like maybe you follow companies, but we follow people. Like we want to know what, whatever Mark Cuban thinks or, you know, whoever, but in the B2B tech world, there's a really small group of people who have these ridiculously cool insights and experiences. And they're usually practitioners who are doing it every single day. And like, that's who we want to learn from. We want to learn from our peers. 100%. And it's it's good to see the idea working. And it was, it was just an idea from what, I think it was like a year and a half ago. I remember putting it in a doc and then we've kind of run with it. We have the whole team behind it. Melissa's team, the chief creative team is now pulling like 10 to 12 different employees every two weeks. And just, we have the chair, we sit them down, ask them questions, record it. There's really ways to scale it up. And now people want to see how you're living. They don't want to just see you interviewed, talking to the camera. They want to see what you're doing when you're traveling. They want to see real things you're doing. Like that's why I try to give away my playbooks and what I'm doing on, you know, podcasts like like we are today. This is great content that I can chop up. We'll have good points and I'll give that value out. And hopefully someone learns from it and they improve at their company and, and do the same. Any things that it, that have surprised you with influencer marketing or things that you didn't see coming? That's a really good question. There's definitely surprises. I really had slept on Twitter, if I'm being honest. I hadn't used Twitter for a couple of years. And even before like Elon taking over and all that, I started like testing on Twitter because I saw that these threads were, you know, doing really well. And Twitter surprisingly drives a lot of traffic. We can see it now, right? With the new updates, you can see exactly how many impressions. I mean, I think last month I got 18 million impressions on my, my Twitter. That's a lot. Think about paying for that in ads. It's 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 a ton. And it's it's more organic, it's direct. So I think I was really surprised at the value in Twitter. It has changed a little bit with the taking over. The algorithm is getting a little tougher and they're now, they're now introducing video. So who knows? I really don't know where it's going to go, but I was surprised with that. I'm also really surprised in the value of LinkedIn. It, it does get spammy sometimes with everyone doing the auto messaging and, and all that, but, but really good content can still do well on LinkedIn. Still written form for me. I, I do some videos and they do well, but the, the best LinkedIn posts I've ever had, the most engaged was just like a month ago. And all I did was take a tweet that did really well, a Twitter thread, and just put images of it in the carousel, swipe right, and that one went viral. And that, so I think also seeing that, you know, carousels and images are doing well on LinkedIn, that's a surprise for me. As for overall influencer marketing, I think also the whole process of it. You know, everyone thinks it's so easy to just get in touch with someone, but it's not. It's typically sometimes harder. They're busy. They're getting a lot of DMs. So I think that the biggest surprise for me was the best move I could ever make was trying to become an influencer myself. More of them reach out to me. I think they're more inept to get back to me because they see me doing the same thing they are. I understand their struggles. I understand how hard it is to create content every day and, and put that out. I understand how to talk to them and how to work with them because I'm trying to be one. So I think one of the last things I learned is that a, a very strong value point, if you want to get in this space and you want to do influencer marketing in tech, you should probably actually do it yourself to, to learn from them and earn their respect. Yeah, I think one of the things that I I have found with influencer marketing over the years is that, and I've done, I think, like 2,000 podcast interviews over the past like seven years, and there are so many brilliant people that 
you kind of get to get past their 15 to 20 minute talking points and get into like spending time with them, having them feel comfortable, getting that second and third and fourth order questions that gets to like the heart of the actual problem. And so many people, C-level executives, whoever it is, brilliant, brilliant people who have a lifetime of experiences struggle to get those stories out there in like a a well-told meaningful way. And if you can get those things out there and get a little bit of editing around it, and so it's not just, you know, stream of consciousness or for, for 45 minutes, like you can get to some really brilliant stuff, but it takes a little bit of work to mine the, mine the gold nuggets, as they say. That's one of the truer statements I've ever heard because I, um, I realized I was trying to do these customer stories and I couldn't get like great content. I didn't do so well, if I'm being honest. It was a, it was a lesson learned. And I started watching as, okay, who, who does do a good job of this? And the diary, diary of the CEO, I mean, I think is just unreal. Um, and so I started watching that and dissecting the way people are interviewed there. And you're right. You really do have to get them past the scripted talk of what they say and, and, and get people to open up, be real. You have to almost shake up, shake them up and, you know, ask them, that kind of takes them out of their comfort zone. And that's when you start getting real answers. And same with influencers. You don't want them to get up there and sound scripted. It never works. But if you find a way to kind of get them more comfortable, which is why I don't, I don't ever tell them what to do because you can, you can see it when someone's reading a script, you can feel it and you're swiping. And like quite literally the goal of PR people is to make sure that the best stuff is being put forward, but also that nothing bad slips out. So like you can be over prepped. I mean, each guest like is totally different how they prep, how they prepare. Do they not want to prepare? And every, you know, host or whatever is different. We spend a lot of time coaching the hosts of the shows that we produce. I mean, we produce 60 plus shows. So there's a lot of different hosts and there's a lot of different styles and you have to like find that person's style of how they want to deliver information and ask questions. But it's a lot of work. Like it takes a lot of work to get good at asking questions. I mean, there's a reason why it's a profession. You know, Barbara Walters just didn't like wake up one day and was great at asking questions. And I think that like there's sort of a famous marketing influencer that is like, anyone can start a podcast. Anyone can do, you know, whatever. All you need is a mic. And it's like, that is true, but anyone can write a book. We've all had pencils and pens. Like how many of us have written a book? And it's like, just because you can doesn't mean that, and it's great that you can, and it's awesome that you can, but like you need to have a, a viewpoint, you need to have like supporting information, you need to do the research. You can't just like start talking. And I think that that's what a lot of brands miss is they just are just talking into the void without sort of anything underneath it. And now you even have people just thinking, oh, I can just hop on chat GPT five minutes before the interview and ask what interview questions to ask. Oh, it's I like, know. no, that's, that's not going to work. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> you, you have to feel it out. You have to do your research. Same with videos. Like I, I've seen so many of these content creators saying, oh, I'll just use ChatGPT to build out a script. I've tried it. And I have, I know really good prompt engineers. It doesn't work like that. Like you really, if, I mean, if you want to really do well and go viral, you need to do the research and you need to fill it out how you're going to speak because it just never works reading anything. Especially like if you're doing any sort of, any type of serialized content, whether it's video or podcast or however, so much of it is about the like experience of being in the content, how the answers are portrayed is it fast or slow? What is the goal of this? Like, what is the utility of this asset? Like so many people don't realize, like one of the big realizations when we sit down and work with someone on building a show is like, you get through like three quarters of the onboarding process and like, what are we going to make and how are we going to make it? all this stuff? And you're like, what is the structure of the show? And they're like, well, I don't know. I was thinking like 45 minutes or maybe 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, not this, not that. 
Like what is the actual structure, the breakdown of the different sections of the show? What is each section? How do they build on each other? How do you create something that like, what, how do you want to build this thing? Do you want them to like get all the answers at the end of the episode? Do you want it to be piled up front? Do you like, and people just sort of like, huh, I've never thought about that. And it's like, you know who thinks about that every day? Every single person in Hollywood and entertainment across like everyone who works at E and Bravo and all those people, like that's all they think about. And so you need to like figure out what the utility is before you start making the thing. Like we did here. And I hope people are watching this so we'll have less bad podcasts out. I know. I hope so as well. Okay, let's get to your studio album. The first ever full studio album from a tech company. I make it look too easy. This thing has been a huge success. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of listeners so far. Why did you create Workflows? Are you ready for this? So we love music. The way the the first project that Zeb, our CEO, and I ever did together in college at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, we managed a rapper. We were bored at school and you know, we found this artist. His name is KJ. He's from my hometown, and we thought his music was phenomenal, it was on a different level. And, you know, Zeb was also a DJ. If you look at his social media, even though our advisors and PR probably left him to change the name, he is still DJ Curfew. He will not change it. He doesn't care what they tell him. He's DJ Curfew. It's who he is. It's who he's always been. Funny story, the way he got DJ Curfew was, I actually used to listen to this radio station from my hometown, and he was in a couple cities away before I knew him, and there was this DJ I always loved. It was DJ Curfew, and I found out, I love this story. The reason why he became DJ Curfew is he was young. He was like in high school, and he'd be DJing like the late night set, and sometimes he'd be getting in a really good set, and he'd be crushing, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, his parents are here, so you know DJ Curfew's got to go. And that's kind of how he got this, the name because he was so young. He really shouldn't have been DJing on this rap station at age like 16. He started to go back to high school, but he was very talented. So when I met him in college, I was like, you're actually DJ Curfew. This is crazy. I told him about this rapper I knew, and we started managing him. And within like two months, we had a song that was doing well. And then we got asked to go on tour with Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller, which was the coolest thing in the world to us. The only problem is we still had school, and our parents would kill us if we missed school. But luckily, a new semester was coming up. And at Virginia Tech, you're not allowed to get all online classes. But luckily, Zeb is a check and product genius. And he built a bot that automatically, like, quickly logged us in. And we did get all online classes. So we went on this tour while still taking our classes online. And we did this thing. And that was a fun project. We ended up not making it, but so far. But we had great stories from it. We really learned a lot. And actually, from that is what made us start our first social media business because we grew a lot of followers through a lottery prank, which is a, a whole nother story that we learned about like the power of, of social media. But that was our first love. We, we always loved music. And so as COVID happened and you know the company was starting to get kind of large, 
we hated not having everyone in the office and our, our all hands meetings felt kind of boring. We wanted to spice them up. So I hit KJ back up and I was like, KJ, could you make like a song for our all hands? And we did. And people just absolutely loved it. It was a hit. And then, you know, we had a feature release coming out and we were like, we, our feature releases are so boring. And I was like, let me just put a little song. Actually, I think I actually did the first song before I got KJ and I made a little song and uh, everyone loved it. David Sachs, you know, our first investor, co-founder of PayPal, loved it, tweeted about it. We got a lot of attention. So we realized like, hey, maybe there's something behind this whole music with tech thing. So we started doing a lot of our feature releases, making a song. We started doing more songs in all hands. People loved it. One piece of advice Zeb always gave me, and you know, I'll pass along to everyone, it really helps. And anything you do, be growth-minded. Think about how to scale it. And so I sat back and I was like, how do I scale this music thing? Because think about it. Like Everyone listens to music. So many people listen to music while they work. It's a new way to get in front of people that no one's done. And there had been some stuff, right? McDonald's had made a song with Pusha T. He actually made the ba da pa 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 Most people don't know that. Or I think Arby's made one. A couple people had made a few songs, but never a full album, at least especially by a tech company. So I have connections in the music space and we have KJ, you know, doing this for us, who's very talented and can make a lot of songs. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to get a lot of budget. I knew it had to be scrappy, but I was like, I'm going to make an album. And Zeb was 100% behind it. He's like, look, just don't spend very much so they don't think we're like misappropriating our, our funding, but find a cheap way to, to do an album. So I was like, KJ, you make the beats in-house. We're already paying him monthly. I, I will find some artists and I'll kind of see if I can trade them promotion or some low cost and let me see who I can get. Artist number one that we got was Clever. Clever is, you know, signed to Post Malone. He has songs with Justin Bieber, Juice World, Post Malone, very, very big artist, tons. He's, he's got millions of streams. I got Michael Minnelli, who's on tour with Ines and is really growing very fast on TikTok. He's got long hair, you've, blonde hair, you've probably seen him. And then I've got a, a, an up-and-coming country singer. I don't know as much about country, but I found this guy, Philip Good. So those are kind of the three, you know, larger artists. And then from there, I had KJ and another artist, Ricky Ruckus, who we had known for a long time, who does a lot for us. And then I also got on a couple other people from ClickUp on our HR team. And we put together an actual album. And it has 20, I think 22 songs. It's not short. We have every single genre. And the coolest part about it is ClickUp is said in every single song. It's not overdone. It's not like ClickUp, ClickUp, ClickUp. But we sneak the word ClickUp. And they're not all, you know... They're not, they all have a story, but we find a way to tie it back into productivity. Like the most popular song is Midnight by Clever. And Midnight's about staying up to work on a project until midnight with another coworker. And it's like almost like they fall in love as, as they're, he's falling in love with her work. So it's kind of cool. They have different induendos, but that's kind of how it came about and, and what the album is about. That's amazing. It's such a creative way to, it's like a colliding of two worlds. Like you mentioned, everyone listens to music while they work. That is Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager here at Caspian Studios and our marketing aficionado. It's just, it's so creative the way that you approach that. Even with like the influencer marketing, like I love the approach. And I think that that's something that's often missing in the tech world. So it's, it's refreshing to hear that y'all do it that way. Can you find these songs on Spotify? The Spotify album's on there, Apple Music, YouTube. I'll send them all, I'll send them all to you after the, after the call. We've got tons of songs. But we've had a lot of articles about it. So, I mean, Morning Brews reached out. 
I've done a couple articles, Design Rush. I've done a couple interviews here in London. So it even made it international. And look, the overall goal, no one knew if this was going to be like, I didn't even know what KPIs to set for this, but I knew I had to set some because it's marketing and that's how we do. But my thing was like, look, even if this fails, let's say that 10 people hear it. The good news is I have assets. You know, I have things that we can use in marketing. I have things that we can use in social posts. I have things that people can tag as an Instagram story and, and use the sound and the TikTok sound. But that wasn't the case. We released it during our biggest conference, which we had like 40,000 people attending. And we played a lot of the music and people were just blown away by the music. So I think that got, it helped us get a lot of streams. And then we had a couple of songs go pretty viral on TikTok. I knew the power of creating a sound with that. So yeah, that we actually... Far, far and exceeded the goals. And yeah, that's kind of, um, you know, where you can find it. And it's been fun. First thing on my mind today, I'm going to grind today. I'm going to shine today. I know I'm going to find a way. I got time today. Hell no, I ain't got time to waste. Love that. Yeah. How, how do you, and maybe you kind of already mentioned it, but like in terms of measuring ROI on something like that, how do you think about that? Yeah, obviously streams. Streams is a big one. We've got tons of streams. I think we're like, I mean, we've, we, we broke a million streams, which is unbelievable throughout. I think the, the sound helped. I think seeing people tag it on social is really cool. There's a cool factor to it as well. And then Honestly, I, I wanted press. I thought I could get press from this because no one's did it. And now I think I can go larger. I think maybe I can, you know, talk in the team to maybe letting me get a big artist, a Wiz Khalifa or someone on album two, because I think that will really help it get even more attention and buzz. Because, you know, whereas Clever is big, you get a household name, it's a whole different level. So I think I learned a lot from it. I see where we can have more attention. And just seeing people tag us, seeing people talk about it, seeing it being a story and just showing that we're an innovative company and and doing things differently. Because like you said, Tech is boring. Most of the marketing is so boring. And we, one thing we pride ourselves on and we never wanted to be was a boring company. So I think we're, we're definitely taking care of that and not being boring. How much of the content is of the songs is educational. That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios. And like, how do you, how do you strike kind of a balance of, you know, making a super sweet, like song, video, whatever it is, and, and the educational component and how much of it is like forwardly, you mentioned they mentioned ClickUp, but how much of it is forwardly like advertising? Yeah, so... We thought about this, and at first, a lot of the songs said ClickUp a lot. We noticed people didn't enjoy it as much if it said ClickUp too much. And we noticed when we said, like, very sneakily, they'd be like, oh, this is a ClickUp song? Like, what? So not much has advertising. Now, we do create some songs, like with our AI release, we have an AI song. When, when we release whiteboarding, we have a whiteboarding song. Those are educational. Actually, one of our most popular social posts we ever did was a training for docs. But in this training, it turns into a rap. So it's me, like asking a question and it, and it turns into a rap and then KJ is little support and little support pops up on my computer in front of me. And he's like, you know, someone needs some support. And he's like rapping me a support and we rhyme. I'll send you that video too. It's, it's really clever. That did really well. So we are trying out the educational piece, but the album was not meant to be educational. It's meant to be more to listen to, but it does have like certain things about 
productivity and and a lot of the songs are about being productive in a, in a different way but just not overdoing it because we still want people to enjoy the song and not feel like they're being sold to or, or to we want, we want them to enjoy the music and feel a story but i'm going to keep testing i'm going to try fully i'm going to try this all you know i'm going to try a fully creative like learning song and why why can't people go in and, and rather than just watching a boring video why can't it be in a song and and learn it in that way i'm, I'm going to try if it fails it's all good it's it's another that's marketing right been up all night trying to get ahead the only thing that slowed me down right now is the internet it's like i gotta get it done before i get to bed but it's not due for half a month and i just finished it i'm focused and i'm still knocking out tasks left and right yeah like my deadlines about do you have a favorite social or influencer campaign that you've done favorite campaign would have to be you know my favorite post is that social post that we did the little support it's just so much fun it's like a little story in itself you have to see it it's it's, it's really good I really liked, you know, what our creative team, Melissa, Nick Fabiano, Ark and team did for the Super Bowl. I think they did a really good job of, and we kind of ran ran stuff off of that. So during the Super Bowl commercial, we we did like it was back in the back in the days, and it was it was like when they were doing the Declaration of Independence, but you know they they lost it, and everyone was mad at John Adams, but then someone else had had it, you know, backed up on a ClickUp doc, and then from that we even went back to the so we kept running commercials off of that, and we did like cavemen. And, you know, it rains and they lose everything they drew on the rocks. And all of a sudden someone busts out a laptop, just showing how the world will be back in history with a ClickUp doc or with, with ClickUp in general. I think those were, were really fun. That commercial was so epic. I remember I saw that and I was like, I was, I was going crazy. Because yeah. like for a tech company to have a Super Bowl commercial is so unusual and legendary. So were, were you involved in that process at all? Or did you kind of, did you guys hire an agency to do that? No, everything is in house. Melissa, who you guys interviewed, Nick Fabiano and team, they built this all in house. I was involved. My idea got shot down. My idea was a little a little crazy. I was trying to do something wild. It's not my idea, and I'm glad it did. But I was involved, and I did all the social push and and that to try to 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 make things go viral afterwards. So my involvement was, you know, getting a lot of people to say, "Hey, what would you have done?" Or like, what I think we did we did a giveaway to like Hawaii. A trip to Hawaii and we're like best comment on this ad and it did really well. It, it did extremely well and drove because the goal is if we're going to spend all this money on a Super Bowl commercial, we better drive a lot of traffic and we better get as much out of it as we can. So we did still get attention. We did still get, you know, voted on a lot of the top Super Bowl commercials, which is obviously the goal. We want to be in those roundups and those videos. And I think even one major news station, I can't remember which one, CNBC or one of, one of the major news stations also put us in the top like five Super Bowl commercials. So that was, and that had millions of views. So it was massive for us. So Hard to say if we're, you know, ROI positive. It's definitely not cheap to do a Super Bowl commercial, but it did put our names on the map and it was invaluable for so many other influencers and large people I reached out to because they're like, oh, I saw your Super Bowl commercial. They took us more serious. How do you make, like, what's the key to making content go viral? I was just looking at listener numbers on Spotify and, you know, the album's doing super well. Like, is there a number that you guys try to meet? Like, where you're like, oh, now it's viral? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, the monthly listeners have gone down since the beginning, but I mean, we had it at one point, I think, at like 20,000 or something, which is great. My, my goal is even just to get, you know, 5,000 listeners every month. I thought that'd be cool and, you know, worth the time invested. But as for going viral... Look, I think like everyone puts pressure on you to, to go viral, right? And I think it's where most companies mess up. They try to do everything to go viral. Obviously, I want every piece of content to go viral, but 
to do that, it's like you you have to start building a story. You have to start building something. And I, I'm still working on that with our social. It's not like everything we do goes viral. You know, I think it's, it's more of a long-term process, testing and, and learning your audience. But to me, going viral is just getting tons of shares, tons of comments. Likes are a small vanity metric. It's, it's, it's people talking and talking about it. And then they're getting articles and news talking about it. That is what, what I care about and, and what my goal is every time we do anything. Now, sometimes I'm building to what I think can go viral, right? Sometimes you need a, a part one, a part two. You know, and it's different per platform. For Twitter, you can have a thread. Once it gets, you can see the impressions on Twitter, which is really cool. So once something gets, you know, millions of impressions, it, it did go viral. There's a lot of eyeballs seeing it. On TikTok, right? You need tons of shares and tons of comments. On YouTube Shorts, same thing. And then on LinkedIn, it's really about the repost and, and really actually the likes on LinkedIn. So it's different per platform, but the goal is to get people talking. If we get people talking, if we get shares, we're in good shape. And that is what I care about the most. Grind don't stop, gotta work it till you make it to the top. I really came up from the bottom, made it out without a lot. You know, manifested everything. I'm supposed to be right where I am. All this dope I've been making feel like I made it off the block. Cause that work don't move unless I move. They say they don't believe in me, I guess I gotta prove it. Step up and do my job, I don't care who's in. And when I get my boot in, I bring the whole crew in. I like what you say about making people talk. What have you heard about the album that's like really struck you? Uh, I really, I really like the the response to the album. I think a lot of people are being honest, saying like at first I thought it was a ridiculous idea, but then they see the the numbers, they see the attention, and 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 that doesn't lie, right? So I think I like the honesty of people saying like, hey, I, I, I had no idea this would work, or never even thought about a reason why. And a lot of people, when I was first talking about it, would, even my friends, my peers. And a lot of people at ClickUp were just like, this doesn't make sense. Like, we don't need an album. And of course, we don't need a lot of things in marketing, right? But one thing I think that I would like to be known for and that I've always tried to do is, is just testing new things. Does everything work? No. Like, I've had plenty of fail. That's, that's what everyone will tell you, right? Fail, fail, fail. But I think you got to go into things not caring about failure or not. I think it's just seeing what happens and having fun with it and, and having some belief so I, that's that's kind of how we handle everything in marketing. I'm going to keep trying new things. There's tons of new things I'm going to try this year. I'm going to try to do so- songs for clients after they close and just see what works. And again, if it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. I build these things in a way that I'm not putting a lot into it when I test. I don't take, I'm, I'm taking risk, but I, fi- I find a way to take risks that aren't going to hurt the company and our spend. And if it does, it's like, it's like everything good. Like with an ad, when you test the beginning, you don't spend that much. With an email, when you send it out, you don't send it to everyone, right? You test, you A-B test. And so I'm treating all the crazy things that I try the same way, and it's it, it helps me do it properly. Will you talk about the like mental process you went through in making that very first rap video? And like, if you look back on that now, you probably would. If you had told yourself, you know, we're going to make this whole album after this one video, and it's going to go viral, like that's wild, right? Like, can you talk about the process of making that video? Whew, I'm really glad you brought it back up. Look, it was. <laughs> It was meant to be a joke. Like we we were we were like you know six and seven employees at the time. We had a really really like tough year. We were just releasing the product. Customer service was, you know, requested through the roof. And I knew people didn't really get to spend much time actually being you know with their families and stuff for the holidays. So I wanted to like come back in our first Sunday meeting with with just something to make people laugh. You know, like like we it was very serious in those early days. And it was just a few of us, and it was it was tough times. We had to work a lot of hours. We were competing against giants in, in a space that was arguably the number one space in tech. And, you know, we got beat down a lot. I mean, I made hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of, of sales calls before I even got any interest at all. You know, we had tons of bugs in the early days. So I think it was at a moment where people were just kind of beat up and 
I, I'm good at making people laugh. It's, it's what I do. So I made that video. It was just very short with like very, very low quality equipment. And, you know, I just, I, I got on it to be fun. You know, I, I made fun of our competitors and I just kind of made it to be funny. And I wanted everyone to laugh and relax and realize that we need to enjoy these times because even though it is tough, we are still building something amazing. We've come so far. So I made this, this song, Click Up to Keep Up. Just a YouTube video, a little rap to a, a beat that was already very popular. And, you know, it, it was it was funny. I kind of made it look typically how, how rap videos do. You know, you, you dance in front of a car, you do something in front of it. I had a computer and I made it look like a nerd. Well, I'm a knowledge holding back, toad developer in your dance space. Coded, floating, loading, and we clump off in this damn place. Throwing bows of bad, bad code. Base can't bleed it from their nose. When they see our tool, they cry and hit the flow. Oh, ain't, ain't no game up in this thing. I had the, the nerdy glasses on and the short tie that wasn't tied up properly. And I just wanted to have fun with it. And then the comp, like everyone loved it so much that we, you know, we released it to YouTube and it actually got a decent amount of views, got made fun of. The, I can tell you that I would never have seen it coming this far because the first thing we tried to do, Zeb was so confident in it, which more so than me, that we had a big, we had like not a big, but a little conference in San Francisco with maybe like 30 or 40 developers, you know, very serious, not funny type. And we had this thing where we were like, hey, we're showing you the new version of ClickUp. And the video comes up and all of a sudden it like, the screen goes like, you know, like, shh, like there's an issue. And then all of a sudden the rap video comes up and we thought it was going to be a huge hit, you know, like everyone was going to laugh and it'd be hilarious. And it's Zeb and I, and I think one other on stage. Well, by the time the video like comes up, no one's laughing. The response is terrible. Like it's like, it's bad. There's crickets in the room. And I looked to my right and Zeb has just snuck off stage, like disappeared, left me up there. because I think he was so embarrassed and didn't know what to do to react. So I had to like continue the demo on my own. Zeb left me up there. So yeah, you if you'd have told me we'd have figured some way out to make music and, and make it a hit, I would have never believed you because we kind of gave up on it after that little uh, fiasco of, of attempting to use music. That's wild. I never would have guessed. I thought it was amazing. I appreciate it. I thought it was cool, but I mean, I definitely, again, wasn't meant to be public facing and was just supposed to, supposed to be an internal joke. How did you then start making music again after that? Yeah, we had a feature release coming out and I was just like, man, our feature release is just... I don't know, I just want something to pop. And I just kept having this idea that we could use music with it. And I, I used to try to rap as well. Like I, I think it's funny and I enjoy doing it. So I, I actually tried to sing on this. It was like a sing rap song. And which, which one was it? Email. We were releasing email and click up. And I can find the old video. But I just did this little video. There's a very popular rap song. So I just took over the, it was that song like, Why Are You Always in the Mood? A song called Mood by 24K Golden. I redid it. And I basically just dropped, like, we just we just added email to the tool and I put a little effects in my voice because I cannot sing. And uh, it was it was really well received. It was, like, extremely well received. So much that, you know, David Sachs, like, the, you know, a guy we look up to, the first guy that, you know, got us to to, to invest in our company, he uh, shared it to all his brands and his Twitter, which is a very, you know, he has 200 some thousand followers. Like, this is the innovative stuff that changes tech. And everyone's like, man, good job, Chris. And so I was like, let's do it again. You know, and so I kept doing it. And then I realized I should probably get our artist KJ, who we used to work with back in the day, is actually good at making music. And so I like commissioned him one off to, to do a song for feature release and then to do it for, you know, our morning videos. And it just kind of became a thing we were doing. And, I, you know, Zeb and I always loved it. And he was like, keep running with it. And, you know, now we've done a whole album. And as we did AI, we had a song with AI. We'll always make songs. Now, for almost everything we do, we'll make a little song. When I traveled to the next web and just spoke in Amsterdam, I made a song for it. They loved it. And of all the videos that were posted about the next web, the only one they reposted was mine. And they asked for that song. So it's like a gift that I can give them back. And it got us more attention. It took him maybe 20 minutes to make the song. It's just a quick little short hook. 
and we throw it behind the content. So it's something that makes us stand out. And now, you know, to 300,000 followers, they all saw ClickUp. They all saw me speaking. So we, we think it amplifies and, you know, maximizes what we're doing. And people laughed at me a lot at the beginning, but not as much now. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I don't care if people laugh. I, I love it. And it makes me stand out. We still have a couple more about, Chris, your favorite piece of content or campaigns. So my favorite, here's here's my rules for content, right? My rules for content are story first and then, you know, brand second, right? So many companies want to throw your, their brand down your throat and it's just, it's just incorrect. And someone made an article about this. They did a really good job explaining it. A lot of the points I feel the same about. I think that it should also, I, I really like, rather than just creating yourself, you know, or hiring an agency, I really do like hiring a creator. They understand the space. You don't need to teach them too much. And then I think finding a cool way, doing something that can become a series that people can look forward to, because that's what people get used to while they follow you. They follow you when they're looking forward to something you're doing. And Oracle just did an amazing job on this content. They hired this guy who like redoes signs. He would just go around the world, redid signs. So Oracle did this this piece of content with them. You can see on their page, I think it's like their third or fourth last video, but they, I forget the guy's name, but they hired him to basically go find all these terrible signs in New York City, like these posters that are put and go pull them off and redesign them and put them back up. And it's like a heartfelt thing. He's helping these brands out. So it feels good. That's another thing, making like almost giving back in a way makes you feel good. It's repeatable. They can do it over and over again. Also that, that girl, I forget her name, but she's blonde and she like acts like she's a graphic designer, but she does terrible jobs. Like she'll say, Hell, I'm going to redesign, you know, the bears logo. She just draws like an actual, like ugly, like she is amazing. I wish I got in touch with her earlier. Like the, that campaign is one of my favorites. And then Frankie Lapp, if you haven't seen him, he's a guy like during COVID that would like take a Zoom meeting from like, like he did it. He did one skydiving, right? He's in the Zoom meeting and his face is just shaking like crazy. And he's trying to act cool like he's normal in the Zoom with the background or he's in a train or he, he was doing these cr- swimming, playing water polo, whatever it may be. Like these are just genius things that are repeatable, that have a story that are not about the brand. So those are my rules. Those are campaigns I love. And I'm still working to do ones that are that good at ClickUp, if I'm being honest. So watch out for me because I'm not going to stop until we do do something that someone else is on a podcast like this describing me and ClickUp. On top of my grind. That's the reason I've been winning. Time is money. Gotta watch how I spend it. Time is money. Gotta watch how I spend it. I can't get it back. I cannot put the millions over minutes. I don't got time to be stuck to my feelings. I cannot have no regrets when I finish. It's about time. Anyone want to be I assume this next question would be the answer could be your next album, but what's one cool thing you're working on or excited about? Yeah, look, I do want to do another album. I think I got to get everyone on board with that because I want, if I do it again, it's got to be bigger, right? I can't just do another one with the same artist. I'd have to get a, a really big artist. But other things that I'm working on that are cool, I, I'm still involving the music. So I'm doing something as, as when we either we close a big deal or we're trying to close a deal or we're just partnering with a, a new company. I just got the first video done with HubSpot. I'm making a song and it's about their brand. So that way they see us, you know, making, and I'm highlighting them. They can, again, it's an asset they can use. If, if worst case, I'm just giving them a gift that they can use. It's a song they can put in their commercials, their videos, make a TikTok sound. But I'm making this video using AI. We use AI for the lyrics. I use Runway to create the video. That way I'm not wasting our team's video at any time. I'm just using AI. And I'm creating, you know, an asset that we'll do a joint post together with social. So that's something I'm really excited. I'm, I'm building that machine out. I'm really trying to do more more customer interviews. That's why I'm really going to study you guys and, you know, watch you all and, and Ian and see how you interview customers and get the most out of them, like I'm doing with the Diary of CEOs. I think it's very important 
We have ClickUp Verified. We're really growing a community there. We're doing more community events. So just like the check you can get on Instagram, we're doing ClickUp Verified. You can earn that by using the product or sharing things on social or helping us throw an event in your city. So we're really trying to get back to the community, learning from the community, meeting in person with the community. And that's why I've been traveling the past six weeks. Good thing I don't have a wife or you know a family because otherwise I'd probably have neither the way I've been traveling lately. But I care a lot about this brand and you know a lot of us do. And sometimes it takes you know, diving in and showing people you care to to really close these bigger deals or form bigger partnerships. So that's what I'm I'm very excited about. I'm excited to close this one out and get back home for a little bit, but also plan another one. Is there anything we haven't asked you about that you want to add or touch on? You know, I, I think that's the, the main things. I think we've talked about the ClickUp story. We've talked about some of the crazy marketing. We've talked about how scrappy we've been. You know, I think there's some really cool plays we made in the early days that maybe next time or in the future we can share that, that really kind of made us stand out to, to grow in such a crowded space. But I mean, you've seen, you know, one of them already. I think the big piece of advice I'd like to leave everyone is to to not overthink, just start doing things. It's It's so easy to have a full plan and to, to type things up and get approvals, just just start doing things. Like, don't don't worry too much. You're, you, who cares about outcomes? Outcomes happen and, and sometimes they don't and it's perfectly okay. But also when you do try to start something, don't throw a lot of money at it at first. Get scrappy, like be, be smart. It doesn't matter. We, we've raised, you know, Series C funding, but you're still gonna find me throwing a lot of money at a, at a crazy project. It, it will be well thought out and tested before if we do get to something that we'll, we'll throw money at. But yeah, I think that's like the, the pieces of advice I really appreciate you all letting me come on and, and thinking of me. This is fun. I really love the questions you've asked. And thanks for highlighting some of the, the wild ideas and funny, quirky things that I've tried to do. <laughs> I do have one last question. How long did it take to make the album? The album didn't take long at all. We didn't have that long because we had to release it for before our big Level Up conference. And so by the time I finally got approval to do it, I think it was only like, there was it was technically six weeks as we started, but we didn't really even start dialing up to the month before so really, I'd say all in all, like, like five weeks, we created the beats. I got in touch with the artists. They made the songs. People make songs quicker than you think now, too. Like, you know, like it, it, it's much quicker than you think. And KJ made a lot of the songs and it had some already that we we put on there. So we made a 22 song album in a very short time with, you know, what, like 10 different artists and all beats that we created. KJ created them all, every single beat he made. So I think that's really cool to, to also take note that we own all the beats because think how expensive it would have been if I had to license all of these and do all that. We built it all from scratch. So yeah, very quick turnaround time, not too much employee time and not not too much money at all. That's wild. Amazing. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome talking with you and I'm excited to hear what's next for ClickUp. Yeah, I had an absolute blast. We, we have round two of an album or you know part two. I will let you know. Yeah, please. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. Thank you all so much. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. 
And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise.